we keep trying to connect feelings to external people or events, assuming that our feelings need some kind of justification. But what if we can actually just cultivate our own pleasant feelings out of nothing? Getting Discomfortable With Savoring A few people reached out to me over the course of the last couple months wondering why I wasn't doing the podcast anymore. And the reason is that I was working on a book. I've been working on a book all year, and it was due to the publisher at the beginning of November, so I was working like crazy for all of September and October, so I took some time off to focus on that. The book is now done, more or less, which is exciting, though I have to admit, as I was leading up to sending it to the publisher, I was expecting, after I sent the final email, that I would be flooded with relief and joy, and no such thing happened. I sent it off, and I felt completely normal. I felt exactly the same. And then I felt kind of naive. It was like, yeah, so I was expecting that I would hit this button. And once I hit it, my whole life would change somehow. When really, I'm exactly the same person before and after. And then I felt unpleasant because I didn't get the pleasantness that I was hoping for. And I was all kind of lost and confused So I took a week to just lie around doing a whole bunch of nothing, and I'm happy to report that gradually since sending the book in, this feeling of relief has like started to settle in, but I have to admit that it felt better while I was writing the book than it has felt since writing the book, which I think is really interesting and and telling and and a good thing in a way, because it, it means that... I can then really appreciate the next time I'm engaged in a meaningful project like writing a book and and remind myself that this is the best part. It's not about when it comes out, though who knows, maybe when the book finally does come out, which isn't until August of 2021, and I have a physical book in my hands, maybe I will feel that sense of accomplishment that I was hoping for. But maybe not. I'm, I'm realizing that I'm putting a lot of expectation on these certain milestones and achievements, assuming that I will feel good once I've written the book, or I will feel good once the book has come out, or I will feel good if the book helps someone or if someone likes it. So I have, I have these sort of like ideas in my head of what will make me happy. But then when I get those things, it doesn't always work out the way that I thought it would. And it makes me realize, okay, so I should really appreciate and focus more time and energy on the stuff that does feel good, which is the actual process. The The writing of the book felt really purposeful and meaningful, and I felt driven, and, and my days made sense because they revolved around this long period of writing. And then after I was done that, I felt this, this daily sense of accomplishment, like, yes, I did it, and then I could, you know, do whatever I wanted. Whereas now I'm sort of floating around, running errands, doing taxes, odds and ends, podcasting, planning. And it's 
it's not quite as structured and satisfying and focused on this one big project like I was before. So I'm excited to start on another big project and appreciate that the actual like working on it is perhaps the best part and not to be kind of waiting to be happy at some point in the future. The other project I have been unofficially working on (laughs) over the course of the pandemic is dating. Basically, right before the pandemic started, I was like, I think I'm ready to date again. And no sooner had I downloaded some dating apps before the pandemic blew up and ruined everything. So I took several months break from the apps, but then when I realized that the pandemic was our new reality for perhaps a year or two or more, I was like, okay, AJ, you can't put off dating. You have to keep living your life. Like, this is it now. You you live in this weird pandemic world, but that doesn't mean you couldn't theoretically go on some dates. So at a certain point, I downloaded Tinder again and started swiping and going on a few socially distant walking dates. And some people I connected with, some people I didn't. But I started to notice, similar to the book, that when I did think that I was connecting with someone or when I was really into them or excited and wanted to date them, I would sort of imagine what it would be like once we were dating. And I had just sort of expected that it would be pleasurable. So in my brain, I was like, this person, I like them, I want to see more of them, I want to date them, and if I accomplish that, everything will be perfect. I will be 100% happy and joyful, and I would have these imaginings of hanging out with them and it just being the happiest, (laughs) most wonderful time ever. And then I started to question that. Like, why was I so sure that if I, you know attained this person in a romantic sense, that my life would be so much better. Because in actual fact, when I went on dates with these guys that I, you know, even if I did like them, the dates themselves were still like kind of awkward. You know, we were getting to know each other. It was socially distant. It was actually really hard to have a successful, relaxed, enjoyable date, because not only is there the pressure and awkwardness of dating in general, but then there's all these added stuff about the pandemic and comfort levels. And are you going to touch each other at all? Are you going to hug? Like, are you going to have a long conversation before you do any of that? At what point is it safe to do so? And if you do do that with one person, does that mean you have to basically stop going on dates with everyone else? Like there's a lot of pressure to kind of navigate this dating thing with the pandemic. So I was discovering that I was sort of assuming and projecting that connecting with guys was going to lead to a lot of happiness, when in actual fact, when I paid attention to the time I actually spent with some of these guys that I thought I wanted to date, it wasn't necessarily a pleasurable experience. You know, there was some flirtation, which was fun, even if it was socially distant. There there was, you know, mystery and novelty and adrenaline and, and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't exactly, like, pleasant, I wouldn't say. And then lots of the guys that I thought I liked 
you know, either weren't interested in me or were not great communicators or were flaky. So even when I did think I liked someone and even when I did kind of project and fantasize that being with them and dating them and hanging out with them over the course of the pandemic would solve all of my problems and make me feel wonderful, it didn't actually in any way connect to the reality of trying to communicate with them, trying to arrange a date, trying to like agree on what was safe. And, and, and then the actual dates like were awkward and weird and it was it was like for some reason i had it in my head that whoever it was as long as i found them suitably interesting and attractive once we had both decided we were into each other everything was going to be perfect and glorious and happy and i was just sort of realizing that there was no basis to believe that that would be true Yes, in the past, relationships have been a source of lots of joy, but they've also been a source of lots of pain and confusion and, you know, like relationships are hard. So putting all of my emotional eggs in the basket of assuming that dating someone was going to solve all of my pandemic problems was naive at best and deluded at worst. A perfect example is that I signed up for one of these food delivery services where they bring me all the ingredients for a meal and the recipe, and I just have to like chop things up and cook them and mix them together. And of course, the meals that they bring are always portioned for two people, and I would normally just eat it as leftovers. But as I'm cooking it, every time I'm like, oh, if only so-and-so were here. Like, you know, whatever guy I happened to have a crush on that week, whatever whatever dating potential there is that, that I'm still sort of working on, I'm like, oh, if that guy was here, we would cook together and we would have such a lovely dinner and all would be well and my whole pandemic would be happy and joyful. When really I'm like, well, actually, you don't know that, AJ. First of all, maybe they're not interested in you at all, so it wouldn't be fun. And maybe it would be awkward, and maybe they would actually prove to be annoying, or maybe you would be embarrassed because the meal wasn't as tasty as you thought it was going to be. Like, there's so many factors that I wasn't taking into account. And I was, I was basically causing myself to not enjoy cooking these meals and to not enjoy eating them alone because in my head I had decided that this would be way more fun if I was with some other person. And there is this strong message in our society that says it is really pathetic to be alone. And even more so, I feel like there's a message in our society that says to enjoy yourself too much alone is also pathetic. It's like you're crazy or you're a weirdo. Like you're just, you're not supposed to have too much fun alone. And you're not even supposed to be alone. You're supposed to be popular. You're supposed to have friends. You're supposed to be wanted and desired and busy. And you're supposed to have suitors and people who are attracted to you and people who want to go on dates with you and people who want to be around you. And during the pandemic, all of that is being thwarted and turned on its head because we're actually being asked not to have people into our houses. We're being asked not to socialize unnecessarily. We're being asked to be alone. 
So it's like putting me in this weird position that's revealing that culture right now is telling me to be alone. But then the larger culture that I was raised in has given me all these messages that to be alone is pathetic, to be alone means you're unpopular, you're unattractive, you're undesirable, you're out of the group, and you're going to die sad, frightened, and alone. And all of this is a stimulus for shame. Shame and loneliness are these unpleasant feelings in our body that are designed to keep us in the safety of the group. As a social animal, when we were hunter-gatherers, when we were evolving, we could not survive alone. So we have these reinforcements, these negative reinforcements towards fitting in, towards belonging, towards connecting, towards love and companionship and togetherness. And through culture, those feelings, which are very natural, have also come to be linked with some really disempowering opinions about, oh, well, being alone means you're pathetic, you're undesirable, you're unwanted, you're no good, you're bad, you're lesser. There's all of these negative associations to being alone. But they're not true, especially during a pandemic when being alone is a good thing. You're actually helping other people. You're, you're doing the thing that society is telling you to do. You're being safe. You're, you're protecting yourself and others. So right now, it's revealing to me all of these negative associations I have with enjoying myself when I'm alone, with purposefully doing things alone, with embracing cooking and eating and hanging out all by myself, and trying to actually just enjoy myself, even if there's no one else around. I did this thought experiment over one of my home-cooked meals the other day in which I said to myself, okay, AJ, so you really want there to be some handsome guy here right now. You think that if this specific guy that you have in mind, like the crush of the week, if he was here, then you would be really enjoying this dinner. So what if he was here? Like, just imagine, imagine that this guy that you really like is here in the room eating dinner with you right now. What would that feel like? How would that change things? And I kind of pictured it. And I was like, okay, if, if this guy that I really liked was here and assuming it was true that that meant he and I were having a great time and getting along really well, then I would be feeling extremely present. I would just be like, really savoring the moment. I would be enjoying every bite and looking around and smiling and engaging with my surroundings and my food and my company. And it would sort of feel like everything I needed was here in this moment. And I, was, I wasn't wanting for anything. I wasn't craving anything. I wasn't desiring anything else. I had it all. That's sort of the feeling that I was expecting I would have if I was having dinner with one of these guys that I thought I liked. So then I was like, well, why don't you just do that now? So I was like, okay. And I just sort of like sunk into my seat and into my body and suddenly became very present and aware of all the little details around me, of the plate, 
of the steaming food on that plate, of the aromas that were coming off, of the feeling of the cold metal fork in my hand, the shimmer of the glass of water, the creaking of the house, the wind outside. And it started to kind of work. I just felt like, what more do I need in this moment? I've got some good food. I'm warm. I'm safe. I'm alive. I'm fine. And it was actually working. It was actually nice. It was enjoyable. I was enjoying the food and I was savoring each gulp of water. And then I I was inspired actually to take it further. I started lighting some candles and I put on some jazz and I poured myself a glass of wine. It was like the more I really paid attention to the details of the moment and appreciated them and savored them and enjoyed them, the more I wanted to make the moment beautiful and enjoyable and and to really sit in that moment and make the most of it. Whereas normally when I'm eating alone, I just want to like cook quickly, eat quickly, and then move on to watching some TV show and being distracted. It's the complete opposite of living in the moment. It's like, let's just get through this because presumably because I'm alone, it's not going to be enjoyable. It's just utilitarian. Get me some food into my body so I survive and then move on to distraction and then fall asleep and then repeat. But when I actually did this thought experiment and said, what if you do have everything you need in this moment? Then it was kind of true. And I started like musing to myself and thinking and laughing to myself and picking music that I wanted to try and trying different types of wine. And I bought so many candles because I suddenly... I had someone special to enjoy these things with. And that special someone was me. And even when I was having a dinner that was just like reheating some leftovers, I realized that it had to be done with care and love. Like I couldn't just throw some stuff in the toaster oven quickly. It was like, no, no, no. Like, Remember, this is that special moment where you're very present and everything you need is here and that special person that you want to spend time with is right there. So you're not just going to throw this into the oven. No, you're going to you're going to enjoy every step of the process. You're you're going to savor getting just the right amount of salt and pepper on there and putting a little bit of parmesan cheese and cut a little bit of green onion for garnish because it is a special moment because there is someone to share it with, but that someone is just me. I'm sharing it with myself. And that's, that may sound crazy. And there were moments as I was doing these experiments where I would suddenly become aware of a third person opinion saying, this guy's pathetic. This guy's like just eating alone and smiling to himself and pretending like he's having a great time when even when, when really he's this lonely, pathetic loser. So I would have these breaks where the whole thing would kind of shatter and I would get caught in my old mindset again. But then I, I could always kind of like build it back up. So it was like, it was a delicate mindset, but it was definitely possible. And it kind of was like I was hanging out with someone. I was, it was me who was appreciating all of the effort that I was putting in. The reason I wanted to garnish it with these green onions was because that I knew I was then going to slowly eat it and appreciate, oh yeah, that green onion really added. 
And it was true. Like, I was there to appreciate the special touches and effort that I put in for me. And it really worked. And I started to realize that what it really came down to was savoring, for lack of a better word. I was just savoring every moment and every detail and every part of the process. I was savoring the reheating of leftovers by trying to make it as attractive and special as I could. You know, like I didn't just throw it on some dirty plate. No, I was like, okay, no, I want to get a nice plate. And, you know, I used to eat dinner and I would just like grab a piece of paper towel and like I didn't put any effort into making it look nice. But now I was like, no, I have a special guest tonight. And that special guest is me. And I want that special guest to have a great time. So, yeah, I'm going to use the fancy napkin for sure. And I'm going to get the nice plates. And, you know, like they're, they're, every moment became a special moment because I knew that I was going to savor it. So now I'm going around trying to savor as many things as I can. And I realize that there's an endless amount of savoring to be done. You can savor lighting a candle. You can savor having a shower. You can definitely savor having a bath. You can savor washing your hands. You can savor doing your hair. You can savor eating popcorn. You can savor watching a movie. You can savor going for a walk. Oh my goodness, I have been savoring so many walks, so much so that I've actually started to walk incredibly slowly. It actually began when I hurt my ankle. Uh, Earlier in the pandemic, I went running and I hurt my ankle and I was forced to go for these extraordinarily slow walks because my ankle hurt. But then I started to realize how how present and mindful and savorful, if that is a word, my walks were when I really, really, really took my time. It allowed me to take in the architecture of each house, to look at the trees, the leaves, to make eye contact with strangers, to smile at them, which felt great, I might add. Any sense of interaction, even if it's just a slight eyebrow raise with a stranger during a pandemic, was really savored. And I just found that walking was so much more enjoyable. And I had time to think. And I heard birds. And I listened to sounds. And I liked the clickety-clack of my shoes hitting the pavement. The only downside is that I felt like such a weirdo. Like, people must have been like, who is this guy shuffling slowly down the street? I must have looked so bizarre. But it was worth it, especially if I was in the forest and there weren't that many people around, to just walk super slowly, like super slowly. I cannot stress how slowly I was walking, is such a great way to enjoy every little moment of the forest. Every little nook and cranny is different, and each leaf and twig and squirrel and bird are all just so much more fascinating when you slow way, 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 way down and just savor each little beat of your journey, each little moment.
I do these classes. I do these free shame classes. One of them is every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Eastern time at this platform called The Stoa. You can go to thestoa.ca to find more information. And I'm finding that I can even savor the class. I can sink into the moment and look at my Zoom screen and, and check out all these interesting people and and all the possibilities that come alive right in the moment of being like, what am I going to say next? And where are we going to go? And I know that I've planned this workshop, but maybe it's going to go in a different direction. And and I find that the workshop is just so much less intimidating and anxiety-inducing when I do this present moment savoring. And I mean, you know, Buddhists have been telling us this for centuries, to live in the present moment and to savor it. But I guess I was only allowing myself to really savor a moment when I had some kind of external thing that was supposedly allowing me or giving me permission to enjoy myself. Usually this took the form of a person, but it could also be savoring a new purchase, like, oh, I'm savoring this sweater that I just bought, or I'm savoring this book that I just got, or I'm savoring this this new job that I got. Like It was sort of like these external events, these objects, these material goods, these consumer items, and especially these other people came into my life and thus improved it, in air quotes, and then I was able to savor. But I didn't realize that savoring is available to me at all times, at any moment, in in even the shittiest situation, there is something to be savored. There's, you know, like a thundery, rainy, cold day. But then you're like savoring the gradual formation of this small icicle outside of your window. You're, You're savoring the smell of smoke in the distance. Like there's just, there's always something to savor. And I think the trick is to just give yourself permission to start savoring at any time, at all time. Right now, where are you? I don't know. You're you're presumably listening to this podcast right now, but take a moment to savor this. Wow, you you have the luxury right now to listen to a podcast. Let that sink in. Let yourself relax a little. Let let yourself enjoy the the listening and the thinking and look around you. Where are you? What are you seeing? The the more you can appreciate and notice the tiny little slow details around you, the more you can savor them. And if you need some inspiration, then you can do the same thought experiment I did. Try to think of someone or something that you've been longing for. Try to think of that one person who you, if they were here, you would feel so happy and excited to be around them. Or try to think of that one thing that you wish you could attain, and if you had it, you would just be so comfortable and happy. What is that person or thing that would almost make your life in this moment feel completely complete, like you didn't need anything else? The most important thing in the world was there, and it was yours, and it was accepting you, and it was just along for whatever ride you were going on. Take a moment to try to think of who or what that might be. And now imagine that they are here with you right now. 
that person or that thing is right here. Or, or maybe it's like a job or a, a level of income or, or like a, a, you've, you've been married or something. Like whatever, whatever that thing is, even if it is untangible, imagine that you now have it. It's yours. This, this thing is willingly, excitedly, 100% all yours. And, and try to think of how would you feel in this moment if you had that person or thing present, or if you had accomplished or attained whatever that thing is that you're wanting, imagine in this moment that you have it. What would it feel like? And now that you have a sense of what it would be like to kind of marinate in that person or that thing or that achievement, I want you to give yourself that feeling. I want you to cultivate that feeling right here and now. For me, it was cultivating this very present, very aware, very slow, very calm, just sort of like enjoyment of whatever could be enjoyed around me. It's like a sinking comfortably into your body. It's an acceptance. It's everything is perfect. Everything is okay. Everything is going to work out. Everything is working out. It's that kind of feeling. And it is yours if you can cultivate it. We keep trying to connect feelings to external people or events, assuming that our feelings need some kind of justification. But what if we can actually just cultivate our own pleasant feelings out of nothing, out of practices and rituals and present moment awareness, such that we can make any moment feel like it's complete. We can make any position in the world or in our life feel like we've accomplished what we need to. We can make any connection, relationship, or even complete isolation, alone time with ourself, feel like it is special times with special someone, because it is. It's you. Anyone who could come into our lives and make them special is because we are contributing just as much, if not all, of the specialness by experiencing that moment as special. So we can also just experience our time alone as special. We can experience anything as special if we frame it in our mind in the right way. So I think it's time to detach pleasant feelings from the specific people or events or accomplishments that we think will create them, because often they don't. Instead of waiting for my book to be finished to then feel joy and relief, I'm going to cultivate joy and relief whenever I want. I'm going to feel relief about the fact that I'm a human who's alive and surviving. And I'm going to cultivate joy about all kinds of tiny little things. I'm going to cultivate joy about putting on my favorite sweater, which has a picture of a lion on it. 
or I'm going to cultivate joy by watching my favorite rom-com for the 200th time, or I'm going to cultivate joy by lighting a brand new candle and just watching it flicker, or I'm going to cultivate joy by cooking the perfect cup of tea. Do you cook a cup of tea? I don't know, but I'm going to get joy out of it anyway. I'm going to get joy out of thinking absurd little thoughts in my own little head and giggling to myself. I'm going to get joy by lounging in a bath. I'm going to get joy by getting an email written. I'm going to get joy by getting some exercise and feeling those endorphins come flooding through my system. There are so many opportunities and clever ways to sink into the moment and to experiment with feeling pleasant apropos of nothing, apropos of no person, job, or circumstance making us happy. It doesn't last forever. It takes work, and often it will shatter, and I will suddenly feel pathetic and alone like a loser. But that's just an opinion, and it's temporary. It's it's a feeling that's going to pass. And I always have an opportunity to cultivate new feelings. And this isn't to say that I should necessarily reject or try to avoid my unpleasant feelings. I definitely would not recommend that. But I think there is still an opportunity to stop misguiding ourselves into thinking that X, Y, or Z is going to make us happy in the future, because it might not. And happiness is available to us, not every moment, but much more often than we think, for reasons that are surprising and supposedly trivial. And I think a big part of it is just realizing that it's possible to feel good about the littlest thing, and then giving ourselves permission to actually do it, to actually enjoy something alone, to actually enjoy something that our culture says is pathetic, to actually enjoy something tiny and minute and meaningless, like finding a little insect friend crawling along your desk. Hey, buddy. So I encourage you to take this moment to see if you can savor something. See if you can get and maintain that headspace that you would feel if you had everything you thought you needed or the perfect person was here with you to share the moment. And then just try to share the moment with yourself and enjoy it anyway. And see how long you can savor that for. See see how long and, and how much you can cultivate that feeling. Because I think you'll be surprised that you can get there in your own head. And it's real. It's just as real as anything else that you enjoy. Because the enjoyment comes from within us. Even if there is someone else present, or even if there is something there that we really love, or even if we did accomplish something huge, the enjoyment of it comes from within us. It's just a subjective feeling, and that feeling is theoretically available at any time. 